This is a true crime podcast. It contains adult themes and content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. When a guard would stop and talk to you, you used to stand back and you would yell so people could hear what you were saying to that guard as they walked by or, or within the vicinity. But he knew what a convict was going to do before they thought of it themselves. He just been around that long and uh, he was tough. They'd find uh, Sparky in about every conceivable place you could imagine, which we would cause dump. They'd wait until everybody was locked up and he would open his door and run down to cell one and get a bugler can full of Sparky and take it back to his cell. She had a kind of a hypnotic power. There were a great many wild cats around the penitentiary, and most people couldn't get near them. But she would stand in the doorway of the cell house and say, kitty, 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 and those cats would go to her. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very spooky episode of Behind Gray Walls. My name is Anthony, and I'm talking here with Sky. Hi, everyone. Happy Halloween. Spooky Halloween. Happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So, <laughs> this episode is all about the ghost stories that we've collected at the prison. Um, Sky, do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? I think that I do. I, I don't know if I'm like a, I'm for sure no ghost hunter. Um, but I I think that, that they exist. I think it would make sense that people who were living on Earth, for whatever reason, don't want to leave or can't leave, and, and they stick around. Do you? You know, I go back and forth. Because as as a child, I had a few experiences myself living in a house, and my mom had kind of similar experiences. They actually, they bought land and then built the house. So they didn't even buy the house. They built the house. And I still had experiences at this house. And some of them, like, still baffle me to this day. So I I do believe in them. But for some reason, the old pen, I've only had a couple little experiences. So I can't, it should be so haunted. But I've collected stories of other people and... I mean, if there's a haunted place, it's it's the old mm-hmm. pen. <laughs> you know, I I think that as employees, because we are telling the stories of these these men that that died at the prison, and you know, potentially their victims, their stories as well. I feel like that might prevent us from being interacted with, from being haunted. There's a certain amount of respect. And it's the people who are trying to stir them up mm-hmm. and, you know, do all that stuff that are the ones that are having the experiences. <laughs> yeah. The biggest, the most question that, the question that is asked most often um, as you're working just at the front desk or on a tour is, is this place haunted? And you always have to be like, oh, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. And then inevitably someone will say, well, what what about, what do you think? And uh, and we we had a coworker who, when I started, she said, "Oh, you know, since we're here trying to tell their stories, they they kind of give us a pass." And and I I think that that is absolutely true that we're we're sort of the the good guys, I guess. And not to say that anyone who comes yeah. in is a bad guy, but we're here trying to help them out and and make sure their stories are heard. So I think, yeah, we get a little bit of a pass with that. Yeah. 
I guess I could start off with just a story of my own.、Mm-hmm. Like working there, I have been sitting at the front desk when there's nobody upstairs where our offices are, and I've heard footsteps. I remember that early on while working at the old Ben, just like it is clearly. It sounds like somebody's walking from one end of the hallway to the other, and you know if you've worked there, if you've visited, you've probably heard people upstairs like that. That's a normal sound. So to hear it when you're like, wait, I thought I was the only person here. You know, everybody's off to lunch right now. Like. What?、Uh, did you ever have that experience while you were working? I mean, not that I can recall.、Um, I was only there really overnight, like one for one paranormal investigation that we did. Actually, I, no, I was there twice, and one one was with you. And I do have stories about that. But、um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I I and and I usually try to sort of. Explain things away because I I get so freaked out about that sort of stuff.、Um, I'm I'm not a horror movie watcher, which is blasphemy to some people who I I just don't watch、right. them. I don't like them, and so I will usually try to like explain away something so that I I don't freak myself out. So like for example, <laughs>、um, here's like a bonus story that we hadn't planned. As we most of us know, my master's degree was in Wyoming, and one of the Four territorial prisons still standing is actually out there, right in Laramie. And so, as a, a history of Wyoming TA, I had the opportunity to take my students and、um, the person who was sort of your job, I think, actually, out at the the Wyoming Territorial Penitentiary. She said, "If you and there was one other TA, she was like, 'If you guys want, I could probably fit you guys on the paranormal investigation that we're having out here.'" And、oh. I was just like, I mean, I do, but I also really, really, really don't. But I like felt like I had to. <laughs> I also want to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I don't want to be so freaked out. But I went and I did it, and I remember that I was just like, I could not look up from the floor because I was afraid if I looked up that I, out of the corner of my eye, I would see something like just a normal <sighs> shadow of like a bird flying outside or whatever, and I'd like freak myself out. And so I was like very,、uh, just like always looking at the floor. But there was one experience, and like I will never forget this for as long as I live. Because for those of you who've, who've done paranormal investigations, I'm sure they tell you something similar. But the one that the company that was with, you know, my group, they said if you feel something,、um, you know, whether physically or you just sort of have, you know, that gut feeling, then say it because it's it's highly likely that someone else is feeling it too, and they're, you know, they're not. Uh, they're afraid to voice it for whatever reason. So、um, we were in this room, and it's it was sort of it was their intake room, but their intake room was really interesting because they had these stairs that went up、uh, to actually where the guards slept, because guards actually slept inside the prison, and there wasn't like a railing or anything. It was just like an open stairway, and so we were standing in this intake room, and they were doing their paranormal thing. And there was just this very distinct feeling that there was someone at the top of the stairs, like looking over all of our shoulders, like watching us.、Oh. And of course, I like、oh. looked back there, and there wasn't anyone there. And so, after I don't know a couple minutes of this feeling, this I was like,、oh, okay. So I said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really feel like that there's someone standing at the top of the stairs watching us. And this girl turns to me and says, "You feel that too?" And I was just like, "I hate this. This is not my thing."、Um, so that is the most paranormal investigation that I will ever do. But,、um, but I think、um, you know, I'm sure stuff like this, you know, happens 
out here when our guests come for the the paranormal investigations we do here. I will probably never go to one um, because I feel a lot more, I guess, like intimate with the spaces and the people here. So I feel like it'd be a lot more freaky if I did it. There perhaps is something to be said about these paranormal investigations. Yeah, I think that that's a common experience, that feeling of like, I'm not alone mm-hmm. in here. And I think all of all of the staff, we've all had that feeling where, especially like locking up after a paranormal mm-hmm. investigation, after 2 a.m. when, you know, 50 guests who have been trying to reach and contact ghosts leave the site and it's just two of us, one of us up at the front while the other's in the yard closing everything down after they've stirred up all the ghosts mm-hmm. and you're in you're in five house on the second floor you know shutting off circuit breakers because that's how all the lights are work up there and it's just this feeling of dread and like i need to get out of here like i am not alone and i uh hair goes up all mm-hmm. of that feeling i've i've felt that several times at the old pen and it's like, is it in my head or or is it that thing where it's like, would other would another person have the same feeling, this this overwhelming sense that, you know, I'm not alone and I'm being watched right now. Right. And uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's spooky. Well, um, should we maybe talk about some Idaho, old Idaho penitentiary uh stories instead of Wyoming? Yes, let's get to it. So yeah, I mean, right off the bat, that admin building, we've had several staff members, both, you know, current and, and past members who have been down at the front desk and heard those footsteps, you know, walking up on the second tier. You know, is it a warden? Is it a, is it, is it a guard? Um, don't know. Or is it just the ground, you know, the floor popping and cracking <laughs> in sequence from one end of the hallway to the next? It's probably that. <laughs> it's probably that, yeah. Going back in time, I I know that there have been strange like lights, orbs, things like that filmed uh, above, you know, throughout the site. Mm-hmm. But like in the territorial prison, there were several suicides and deaths in there. And of course, the Rose Garden, where six executions occurred, there have been strange orbs and, and shadowy, misty looking figures, like photos taken of these misty looking figures. And we had... What was that about eight nine years ago we had a film crew out from the news and they went into the rose garden and the uh the news anchor got this really bad headache and he's just like man it was it just set on me as we were out there they they snapped a photo and there's this strange solid figure like orb looking thing above his head and he said as soon as he left the rose garden his headache went away uh-huh. And so they, you know, the investigators were like, yeah, that's that's a common experience. It was like it was zapping his energy so that it could produce its own observable orb, oh, I, I guess you'd call it. So, you know, I, I, I've followed a lot of psychics and sensitives and mediums throughout the site. And one of the, I don't want to say the funniest, but it's, <laughs> it was a very memorable experience when this woman came out and she said, Douglas Van Vlack is up on 1890 Cell House spitting at me. And for those of you who don't know, we'll get to Douglas' story. Douglas Van Vlack committed suicide in 1890 Cell House. So that was just like, wow, that's interesting that you would know that. And and he seems like he would be a spitter. Yeah, he totally does. <laughs> so that... <laughs> 
those are just a couple of like the little things. People have definitely had eerie feelings in 1890 Cell House. And if you go in there now, all the cells were stripped out of there in the 1960s by the by the JCs and and turned into kind of a rec room. So it's kind of a big empty shell of a building, but you can still see where the upper tiers were. There's there's where the central walkway was. That's still accessible. So there is this feeling of like things looking down on you from there. Mm. Yeah, but uh, let's go to Two House, Guy. Yeah, so... you have any stories about that? I do. <laughs> so um, these are experience... This one story that I have is from the Big River Paranormal which is the the official sort of group that comes out and does the investigations. So this is from someone who did one of these uh, investigations. So this is in Two House. It says, I was a guest on a tour before I joined the team. We were standing facing the cells when we heard a very loud but distant scream come from the very top tier of Two House on the far right side. A team member ran outside to see if anyone was there, thinking it might be an owl, but nothing was found. We quieted down again, and then after a few moments, we heard another distant scream from the upper floor. There was no discernible explanation for the sound. Just, like, chills. I get chills through all of these, because it just, like, uh, I don't know. It's because there's no explanation, I think, maybe. Right. You know, you hear a scream, and you're, you're outside, and, like, was it, you know, is there something nearby that's making that sound? And, you know, there's just not any sort of explanation that you can find. And it just... Ugh. Two House is is one of those very spooky cell houses. It's got that really historic feel. It was burned in the 73 riots. So there's that charring left over. And it's, you know, it was active 1911 through 1967. It's got a long history, a lot of deaths and suicides and attempted suicides, a lot of emotions in that cell house. The conditions were horrible, so you can imagine, you know, sitting there baking during the summer and freezing during the winter. So the depression in that cell house would have been extreme. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've commonly on these uh, investigations, visitors have said they've looked up and seen a figure leaning over the edge mm-hmm down at them like a shadowy figure and we've heard that so many times and i like i've been on these things and i'm too afraid to look Mm -hmm. up because if i see that like i have to come back into work the next day i don't (laughs) amber our site administrator and i were in there one day and we were just talking about paranormal activity and things like that and I, I don't remember what, what it was. We were just, we got onto that subject while we were in two house and like we heard, it sounded like somebody threw a rock and it was just right after we were discussing it. It was just <sighs> like perfectly timed and we both went, okay, all right, well, we'll stop talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And we left and it was just like, yeah, that was, that was kind of a strange thing. This last weekend, I was given a uh, tour to this group I'm a proud member of called the Treasure Valley Murderinos. And uh, Leslie Hagerman and her sister, Elisa, were in there a couple years ago. And they had uh, gotten a brand new camera. And as soon as they got into Two House, it started to act up. It was starting to act really glitchy. It was brand new. They had never had any issues with it. And this is a pretty common thing. Later, they would actually go into the the cooler. And we'll get to the cooler towards the end of this show. And uh, the 
this fully charged brand new camera just drained suddenly, like completely. So, yeah. Mm, I, spooky. How about Three House? Three House. I I remember there wasn't like a distinct experience, but it was my first um, like first time coming back after or I was sort of an intern at the time. It was that summer that I wasn't an intern, but I wasn't a full-time employee either. And I was there, I think I was there for um, one of the late summer uh, events that we do as it started to get dark. And I just remember going up on the upper tier of Three House. And again, it wasn't a specific experience, but I just remember that that feeling that you get of just like, I am not alone here. This is super spooky. And I wasn't about to engage with anything that was there. Um, but but there definitely it just is that feeling of... of and, and that was before I was really super engaging with the site as a historical resource, basically. And so I think there still, to yeah. me, was sort of that, the eeriness to it over the history part. Because um, I, I, you know, as the longer that I worked there, the less I started to feel that, that way, you know, after it got dark and things like that. But but I remember in Three House, there was just something that I just was like, Ugh, it's fine. I One of the most famous, like, ghost stories from Three House is from the head of Big River Paranormal. Her name is Marie Cuff. And several years ago, she was up up on that fourth tier, up in the upper tiers that are usually closed off to the public. And uh, there's there's actually a burned out cell, at basically a remnant from the 1973 riot in which an inmate, um, he was targeted. He was going to be killed. They they put flammable liquid in his cell and uh, they were waiting for him to come back into his cell to screw his light bulb in and, and catch him on fire. And uh, fortunately for him and most of the tear, it went off when no one was in there. So he survived, but uh, it's, it's really scary up in that fourth tier and two cells down from that, that cell, which is completely obliterated from that fire. There's this really dark cell from all the soot and everything but on the very back wall there are these photos these little pictures of people and i've recently found out through some digging it's actually the band deep purple so it's all five members of the band the original lineup from deep purple that one of the inmates had clipped from a, a newspaper and pasted to the wall and somehow they survived this firebombing but uh marie she's up there and she's looking at these photos outside of the cell and she kind of reaches her arms in with her camera. She's getting as close as she can to take a photo of these these five guys on the back wall. When something touched the top of her head, ran its fingers through her hair, and then whispered, ooh, no. pretty, no. in her ear. No. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she, you know, did not return to that cell house, did not come back in for years oh, because it was, gosh. it was such an experience. So if you've watched like most, most paranormal shows about the old pen, like she is interviewed that, that story is haunting. That is like my favorite story. When people ask me, is this place haunted? I'm like, well, let me tell you Marie's story. Yeah. Cause I've, and I've actually had her. Uh, tell the story in person um, during presentations at Frightened Felons before because it's just haunting. And the fact that she's just like, no, I swear this happened. And she is a, a great paranormal investigator. Like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I I don't think I would return to the site after Same. that. Same. Yeah, that one is. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, but otherwise, like Treehouse, it it was kind of the best cell house to live mm-hmm. in. It just just conditions wise, uh, had the best ventilation, had plumbing. A lot of the guys, you know, in oral histories say Treehouse is the place to be. So I think that it has the best. Other than that fourth year, that burned out cell, which you know we'll we'll get to that story someday when we do the whole seventy three riot story because that is wild in itself. But uh, yeah, it doesn't give me the heebie-jeebies like some of the yeah. other cell houses. No, too. I would I would agree. <laughs> I think other than being there at night that one time, but like I said, it was sort of early on in my career, so yeah, yeah definitely going in there, it feels a little more solid and sturdy. Strangely. You know, four house. It's one of the most modern cell houses, and we get a lot of paranormal activity in that cell house. Uh, do you want to tell the the next little story here? Yeah. Okay. So this story is actually from. Uh, it sounds like it's from one of the um, lead investigators, um, and so uh, mm-hmm. they say that during an investigation with guests, another investigator and myself went out to check on the teams, only to find four house empty. We stopped inside anyway and heard a conversation between two men on the far side of the block. We we went around to that side and found no one there but still heard the conversation, but realized it was on the second tier. We proceeded down the block when I saw a man-sized shadow go quickly through the guard's passway. We followed and as we were turning the corner I heard a man shouting in my right ear right in front of the first cell that we came to. I told the other investigator what had happened. We went a short distance and stopped and turned, and there was the shadow man standing next to the cells. He was about six feet tall, did not speak, and after a minute or so, moved to the last cell and went inside. We checked that cell, and there was no one there. And there was no one there. Ugh. Ugh. I, see, this is like when I was on that paranormal investigation, I was like, I cannot look around. Like, if I see a shadow anything, I will run out of this place screaming. <laughs> right. And that's the funny thing. Most paranormal investigations, they, you know, the whole group will see a shadow run by on these upper tiers that are closed off to the public. Like, there should be nobody up there. And the only people who have access to that are staff members. And we are like, nope, we don't want to be involved with any of this stuff. So we're going to be up at the front and just let us know if anyone yeah. gets hurt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they like arrive at the cell that they just saw a, a six foot tall silent figure walked into. Ugh. Well, and that there was, you know, they turn the corner and a man shouts in his ear. Uh, no thank you there's a reason again that I, I don't do those paranormal investigations you know one of our volunteers david hobbin he he does paranormal investigations as well and he's been part of big river and and the other iterations of that paranormal group for years and he said during an investigation about two years ago they were doing a, a sit-in there in four house on the ground floor and they heard footsteps several times in the upper floors like somebody was walking around in the upper tiers and if you come if you come or have come to our frightened felons event that is like where the haunted house is it's up on the third and fourth tiers of the cell block so there might be a spirit who's like actually haunting the haunted house up there Ooh. it's it's the reason we say it's the only haunted cell block uh haunted house in the state because literally we've had paranormal experiences i've been up in the haunted house like helping set it up and i it's 
I'm always ready to get out of mm-hmm. there. And like, I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, the morbid uh, corpses and things that are hanging out there to spook people, yeah. but uh, JC. <laughs> a shout out to JC. He's <laughs> JC Brain. He's our awesome haunted house maker. And I think uh, uh, Frightened Felons is coming up this weekend, right? I mean, not when this is airing, but when we're recording. It was last weekend. Yes. Yeah. Right now we're recording uh, two days before Frightened Ooh, Felons. But uh, when this comes out, it will have happened. And I hopefully, hope everybody yeah. who came enjoyed it. And yeah. Hopefully, y'all had fun had and got experience. spooked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by hopefully something not real, but if you did get spooked by something real, then let us know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Four House, it's strangely, like, that's where the most apparitions, where the, you know, physically seeing... Hmm. That's so interesting. A, a, a being has happened, uh, other than, you know, the, the figure up in the upper tiers of Two House leaning over the rail. Five House, we've had several, and... I think let's go back to a historic thing. I I actually toured with a former guard last July, and he just came in. He was just like, oh, I just wanted to tour the site. And so, of course, I'm like, can I follow you around? He's like, sure. I'm like, can I record our conversation? Yeah, for, yeah, go, yeah, go right ahead. So I nerded out and just like followed him around. He told me all kinds of crazy stories. And as we were outside of Five House, he's like, you know what? I used to see Ray and I said, what? And he said, yeah, when I first started here, I worked up in this guard tower behind five house, behind maximum security above that little exercise yard. There's that guard tower. And he said one night he was sitting there and he saw a figure up on the second tier. And he's like, that, that was, you know, they were in lockdown. That is where all the inmates, they, they would have been in their cells at that time. There's no reason anybody should have been walking around. So I radioed a guard and this guard walked in and he checked it out and he said, yeah, there's nobody up here. And then a minute later, he said, you must have seen Ray. Nope. And he's like, excuse me? This is in the 70s. So he's like, uh, can you explain that further? And he's like, yeah, there was a guy who was hung here back in 1957. That was Ray Snowden. Uh, we've had a lot of reports. You probably saw Ray. And no he's way. just like, oh my he was very matter of fact about this story. And I was like, excuse me? So he's like, yeah, Ray still, I imagine he probably still haunts this place. He uh. probably still runs around here, but he's not going to hurt nobody. And it was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Strangely, I've also had several uh, psychics and, and mediums, three of them, at three different times come in and say that, as you walk in the front door of maximum security, that first row of cells on the ground floor, there's the third one in. There's a cell that has like teal paint up above the door. And three different psychics on three separate occasions have come to the front desk and said, there is a spirit in that cell. He keeps saying that he's wrongfully convicted. He should not be here. No and he wants out. And the the last one actually explained, she's like, yeah, he has his hair slicked back. And she's like, he's got his sleeves rolled up and he's got a pack of cigarettes up in that rolled up sleeve. And he's, you know, he's a smooth talker. He kind of looks maybe Italian or something. And he's, he does not belong here. And he's insisting he does not belong here. And so I actually went out there 
not long after that last psychic and set up my camera in front of the cell. And I was going throughout the whole site just getting B-film for our little YouTube videos. So if you want to check those out, we've got videos on YouTube. I kind of tell a couple inmate stories. I was just filming and I was like, are there any spirits here? Can you show yourself? And right after I said that, this little like ball of light comes dancing out of the cell and it kind of moves around and then and disappears. And I didn't, you know, I didn't see it while I was filming. I went up to the second floor and aimed a camera down at that cell from the second floor of maximum security. And I said the same thing. And you see this thing kind of pop out of the cell, this little ball of light kind of pop out of the cell and then return back to the cell. And, you know, I, I didn't see anything while I was filming. It wasn't until later when I was going through all my B-reel that I found this thing. So I actually put that video on our old Idaho Penitentiary YouTube page, so you can go check that out. It was cold outside. There, was, there were no bugs. There was nothing in there. It was just me. Maybe it's dust, but how it moves around was just so oddly, uh, I don't know. What what would you say for that? Um, I would say I have chills is what I would say. Oh. But but yeah, I mean dust has a very specific way of moving and if I would say if it moves out and then moves back, that seems less dust like. Right. And it's well so okay, so I just want to make sure I got this clear. So you set up the first camera, you said are there any ghosts here and then you le- or are there any spirits here and then you left and then you went up to the second floor and then said it again. It was you didn't like say it at the same time. Yeah, no, they were separate. So, so mm-hmm. I, it was right after I said, "Are there any spirits in here? Can you show yourself?" And right after I said said that, that's when this thing kind of dances out of the cell and it did and it twice moves and weaves between the bars and then flies off. Yeah, and then I went to the second floor and said, "Are there any spirits in here?" And then right after that, I don't think I have the audio in that video, but. Uh, then you see something pop out of that cell and then like do this little U-turn back into the cell. I have it in so many different ways. I was just like, oh, this is the only physical proof I've ever gotten of things here at the old pen. I've got to make a video. <laughs> so I did that and I have it in like black and white and I did all kinds of different stuff so that you can really easily clearly see it move. So check it out. Tell me what you think. Maybe it's dust. Maybe it's just I, I I don't know. It was it wasn't a windy day. All the footage I got was just kinda like a nice I think it was a spring day, like early spring, so it was pretty chilly outside and you know, there were no bugs. Ah, it was very spooky. <laughs> yeah. Then sounds sounds spooky. Death Row. Yeah. In in Death Row, of course, Raymond Snowden, uh that's where his spirit would probably reside. But there's another spirit in that area. Is it Hippie Joe? Hippie Joe, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, his name was Abraham Watson. And uh, Abe, in 1971, he's in uh, Fort Hall, the reservation. And uh, he's drinking. And he's he's becoming belligerent at, at this bar. And so police are called. And these two sheriffs arrive. And they come in and try to you know, quell the situation that's starting to s- arise here. And... They realize that Abe has a, a revolver, and so they they're like, "Hey, sir, you need to you need to set that thing down." And he pulls it out, and they wrestle over it, and it actually fires and strikes one of the the officers in the head. It ricochets off of his skull, though, just gives him a concussion. Uh, Abe is arrested. He's convicted, two years, sentenced to the prison for assault with intent to commit murder. And when he arrives, they realize that 
you know, this guy, he's not mentally stable. There's something going on with him. And so they sent him to State Hospital South uh, out in Blackfoot. And he actually escapes. And after two months, actually turns himself back into this state hospital. And uh, not long after returning, he gets into an argument with a deaf inmate there. And he ends up nearly choking this guy to death before he's broken up. And and they realize, you know, this guy, he needs professional guards. He needs protection. And so they have to send him back to this penitentiary. And they use death row to segregate him away from the rest of the population. And they get him back on meds. They give him Thorazine. They kind of calm him down. And he seems to be, I don't know, coming back into terms. He's still hearing things. He said he was... The guards said that he was speaking to God and seemed to be in higher spirits. And uh, they kind of let him be until uh, one day they come in and he had hung himself in one of the cells in death row. He had done it. He had used his overalls and using the grates in the very back of the cells at the top. They're at about probably about nine feet or so. He had wrapped the, uh, his, his overalls into those grates and standing up on his sink, he must have taken a deep breath because when they cut him down from this, this really long, this escaped from his body. And the guards, like we had a guard who came out about six years ago, just before I I started working at the old pen, but he still very vividly remembered cutting Abraham Watson from his little noose and having this moan come out. And we've had volunteers and tour guides and visitors who have been in death row who have heard this low growl, this low groan emitting from one of these cells. And, uh, in a lot of oral histories, they actually describe him as, as Hippie Joe, I think just because he was having psychological issues and all these different things. It was, it was 1971 when, he, when all this stuff went down. Yeah, if you've ever been in death row and you've heard a low guttural growl, you're probably hearing Abe. Oh, man. I'm really glad that I have never heard that sound because, again, that's one of those things that I'd probably just like walk in and be like, so I'm leaving. I'll see you guys. Right. Uh, see you guys never. Yeah, me too. One thing I always like, I know it's going to happen someday, but there was a, a former inmate who used to feed Raymond Snowden. Uh, he was in here in 57 and like 63 and 67 and 71. He was in and out of here. But when he was in in 57 for a robbery, his he was put on as a trustee and one of his jobs was to bring food to each inmate over in maximum security. And so he fed Ray every single day for like the, you know, 11 months that Ray was in that cell house. And uh, with every meal, he said that Ray would eat a raw onion like an apple. So I'm always worried that I'm going to walk in there and have one of those overwhelming senses of smelling onions Mm. while I'm in death row. So if anyone has ever had that experience, let us know. Well, should we go to some of the uh, out- outer buildings? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so how about the uh, the laundry? If anyone's been to the old pen and you've, you've gone into that laundry and seen all of that equipment, seen that spooky machine called the Mangler, you maybe have had some weird feelings in there. And we've had a lot of reported experiences of, of strange noises, uh, seeing lights, like 
strange lights dancing around near the ceiling. Big River Paranormal recorded this report. They wrote, I had a group of guests, and we were doing an EVP session right at the center part of the room in the laundry. And while I was facing the door next to the showers, I saw a man walk to the window area, look out, and retreat back into the room. This was witnessed by at least one of the guests. So that means, like, they saw a figure facing the door next to the showers, like, look in at them and then walk (sighs) out of the room. (sighs) If you've watched, like ghost adventures they they talk about this is this is a myth that uh somebody was raped to death in the showers and there's no there are no reports of this ever happening at the old pen but uh there were a number of deaths um in that shirt factory building which the laundry is is a a part of I don't know. Do you did you have ever have any experiences in the laundry? Have you ever heard anything? Um, there? I I've never again. This is sort of one of those things that I've never had any specific experience. But there, and you know, like it's sort of you know with three house where I first had that experience and I was like, oh, it's so spooky in here, and then uh, and then I just sort of got over it. But like the laundry, every time I had to open the site or close the site, I hate the laundry. It could be middle of summer it's still lit up super bright and i'm just like i hate this there's something about it yeah and it's i don't know what it is it is just super spooky and i remember (laughs) the first time um locking up uh, a a paranormal investigation with you you just looked in and you were just like this it's just so cavernous and dark it's just and i just was like i need you to stop talking like i'm freaking (laughs) out right now um but yeah i mean (laughs) that is just one of those there's a couple buildings on site that every time i go in i'm just like oh i hate being in here and that is one of them and it's unexplainable um but it's just sort of one of those because i mean from that you know it's just a laundry room and yeah there are those big machines and one of them is called the mangler and inevitably someone got an arm or a hand or something caught in it but it's just the whole feeling of that whole space is just almost too much for me. There's something about just that whole shirt factory building because I've spent so much time in there for, you know, setting up for events and, and all that different stuff. And I've heard so many raps and I've been around so many historic objects in there that it I, I definitely get a feeling when I'm in there by myself that... I'm going to turn a corner and and see something. And I haven't yet, but there's always that like, oh, man, I hope that doesn't have that. Just that pit of the stomach feeling like, oh, I hope I don't run into anything right now. Right, totally. Recently, just this spring, there was a group filming a feature film, a horror film that's going to come out hopefully in early 2020 called Paranormal Prison. And it's it's... It's a pretty interesting, it's a fun story. Definitely go watch it when it comes out. But while they were filming, they had a bunch of strange technical difficulties. They were using GoPros for a lot of the uh, filming, and it's a lot of like live action, you know, found footage sort of look to it. And their GoPros kept having issues. And GoPros, you should be able to drop that out of an airplane and still be able to watch the video. If you ever watch that, there's a great GoPro video. It's my favorite video on the internet, and it's this uh, GoPro falling out of a plane and it lands in a a, a pig pen <laughs> and you see the pigs like come over and start sniffing it. It's the funniest video in the world. So if, <laughs> if you're having a bad day, go watch that video. Anyway, <laughs> they were having issues with their GoPros 
And that was just one of the things. So here's actually a write-up from one of their uh, members here. This is Eugene Boyle wrote this. I was hired as a gaffer and grip. Although lighting requirements were minimal given the nature of the filming, I still had the challenge of getting power to various locations in and around the nearly 150-year-old penitentiary. Although it is currently a tourist attraction run by the Idaho State Historical Society, it still uses much of the same wiring and breakers it had back in the 60s and 70s, which is true. We have that problem very regularly. (laughs) On day one of principal photography and throughout the shoot, camera and wireless mic batteries would die inexplicably, sometimes within minutes of being fully charged. Then, although monitors showed clear continuous signal while filming, post-production editing proved to be tricky because of dropped and glitchy video signal on the memory cards. This was tough to explain, but it was not, by far, the strangest thing that occurred on set. At the start of day two, a few minutes after call time and while everyone was scattered getting set up for the first scene of the day, I found myself in the old shirt factory room that was used as a base camp. Also in the room was our associate producer, first AD, and one of the camera assistants. I've worked with all of these individuals in the past and knew them all to be focused, hardworking professionals. So it was curious to me when I looked across the room and witnessed the camera assistant spinning around with one hand in the air as if performing pirouettes. After two or three revolutions, the camera assistant fell to one knee, crumpled over in the fetal position, and started shaking violently. Our first AD was an army medic in a previous career and jumped into action directing me to help turn the camera assistant on their side and get something soft under their head. He had me grab the first aid kit and quickly found something to keep them from biting their tongue. In the meantime, the camera assistant was shaking violently and was instantly covered in sweat. After two or three minutes, the camera assistant fell asleep. I would have been terrified if I had not heard actual snoring as if in deep sleep. Two minutes later, the camera assistant was awake and struggling to stand up. The first AD and I did our best to reassure the camera assistant that everything was fine, but that they needed to stay down until the ambulance arrived. Suddenly, the struggling stopped. The camera assistant reached up, grabbed me by my lapels, and whispered in a soft but terrified voice, The little boys are going to die. No, what? (laughs) It was unnerving. The camera assistant's eyes were opened wide and teeth were grit tight in a tense grimace. I did my best to remain calm and to reassure myself it it must be some sort of dream state when the whisper came again more insistently. The little boys are going to die. I did my best to stay calm and focused. The paramedics arrived minutes later and by that time the camera assistant had started coming back to reality, dazed, confused, and insisting that we were the ones that had a seizure. Our producer accompanied the camera assistant to the hospital, and the parents were notified of the seizure. They were shocked and informed us that the camera assistant had never had a seizure before, and the next day, all hospital tests came back negative. No signs of any medical issues or of the previous day's episode. This is clearly the start of a horror movie. Right? Come on. It's so scary. Uh. I've tried to... You know, try to think of all the all the 129 deaths at the institution. I don't think any of them were in for like killing little boys. the The only thing I could think of is maybe uh, Earl Bowen, but he was convicted of murdering an, an elderly woman, and he had a, a tragic, tragic death, and that was in the in the old prison hospital. So I'm not sure. Well, but I wonder. Well, because sometimes though, ghosts 
spirits, whatever it is we want to call them, sometimes they don't necessarily haunt where they died. They haunt sort of wherever they were most comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Is what I've heard. And so, like, if he, like, and I would hate to say this, but, like, maybe he had a decent time or he doesn't, you know, like, he doesn't know where else to go and he had this one, this place that he is fine kind of sticking around I don't know. It just that's such a weird that oh my god. <laughs> it's one of my new favorite stories for sure. Like favorite oh paranormal stories there. Uh it's that's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have not experienced that or if I have, uh no one witnessed it, which is scary. <laughs> that's I think even scarier. Right. That's legit. That is legit a horror movie. That is and you were living it. Oh, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> no, I do. I love. Um, I sorry, Amber. I quit. Um, good luck. I'll see you never. Yes. Yeah. Now, if anyone listens to this podcast, they're not going to work there anymore. They're not going to want to come volunteer anymore. Ah. Uh, anyway, you won't get possessed. Yeah. An- Anthony's worked there for five. What are you? Five years now, and he's still the happiest, go luckiest guy. He doesn't. He hardly even believes in ghosts. So it's true. It's true. Yeah, I feel like I've had less paranormal experiences since I've worked at the old pen. It's just been a couple strange things, but nothing like, nothing like that. Oh my gosh! Wow. Bill Butler during the 1971 riot was brutally bludgeoned and stabbed to death in that building. So, you know, and Bill Butler, he was in, he he had a lot of mental issues and he was in, he had a 75 year sentence for murdering a, a college co-ed and dumping her body in the desert. There was another inmate who actually dove from the top of the shirt factory building face first into the pavement below. That was, oh. that was a suicide from the shirt factory building. So, you know, I haven't really dug into that inmate story very much beyond finding that suicide. So maybe I'll do some looking and see if there's any connection there. Ugh. I'm just, I, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, like, it's interesting. I just, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we go next door to the barber shop and tell <laughs> our story? Remember that? Oh, <laughs> uh, of course I remember it. It was really the first um, paranormal experience that I had out there and it was right before you like looked in the the deep dark cavern of the laundry room and you're like isn't it so creepy and I was just like stop talking <laughs> um, verbatim stop <laughs> talking I don't want to hear this like I'm ready to get out of here go home and not think about ghosts and then I like yeah. I found a spot where there was light and I was like recording Instagram videos like you guys I hate everything about this <laughs> I never volunteered for another paranormal investigation again you'll have noticed yeah. um so, so it was, I had never locked up before, I don't think. And I'm, I'm already pretty on edge because I do sort of believe in ghosts. And I had that experience in Wyoming and I was just like, oh, it's fine. And so you were like, well, come on, I'll show you how to lock up. And so you were showing me how to lock up and we get to the barber shop, and, um, you were telling this story about, who is it again? Jewel Frang. And and so he, because he is this, he so he like he walks up to the barber shop and he grabs the razor out of the barber's hand and like slits his own throat, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you're ta- telling me the story as you're sort of just like, haha, isn't it funny that I'm talking about this? And just like that experience that you had with Amber, it sounded like someone picked up a rock and threw it in the back corner of the building. Yeah. 
and both you and I immediately just stop talking. What the heck was that? And then, and then I was like, lock this building up. We're leaving. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Good night, boys. We're we're leaving you alone now. Oh. And uh, uh, I mean, because that, that is the thing is, is, you know, we, you know, really try not to, to bother these guys. And they, I think, try not to bother us. But when we're going through locking up and uh, they've been riled up for the last several hours, it's uh, it's hard not to have those experiences. So, yeah, I definitely... Uh, remember that quite vividly just hearing that sound and just both of us just like freezing yeah, yeah. that was spooky. okay can I... <laughs> I i was so mad at you that night because you just kept saying sort of these like spooky things and i was like please yeah. stop we've already had an experience <laughs> well that's that's the thing is like especially when i'm giving tours and then i get that one person who's like i want to know all the paranormal stories and so then i'm all like right. I've got them. They're all stuck in my head, and I I need to share them. I just I just start telling them, and then I I start to see the group just kind of like people start to walk away, and then like people are looking <laughs> sad. I'm like, you know what? I need to stop on these stories. This is really depressing. And I I was doing that that night. You know, I wanted to kind of tell you some of the spooky stories of you know maybe the head experiences out here. And I started to realize, whoa, maybe I shouldn't be telling this right now. Yeah. You can tell me them in the daylight. Yes. They're just as spooky in the daylight. <laughs> These are the daylight story tours. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you want at night, but I am not going to be here telling these stories then. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah. So back around the barbershop and the uh, old prison hospital, there are the solitary confinement cells and the group confinement cells, Siberia and the cooler. And... Uh, Siberia, we have several stories of people saying they've, you know, felt dread. They've reached their hand in and felt something electric, or they've actually had something pull on their hand, reaching their their hands into those cells. So, next time you're at the old pen, I recommend it. Reach your arm into one of those cells. It's a tiny little wicky door. It's about a foot tall. You just reach your arm into this dark cell and see what happens, and report back. Let us know. But around the cooler, we have several strange experiences that people have had. One, I was in there with this radio show, and they had hired a psychic to kind of lead through and see if they had any experiences. And he walked into that first cell in the cooler to the left as you walk in, the one that we did the episode about uh, uh, Robert Miller early, where he etched his number and where Mike Donnelly etched mm -hmm. it to the side there. And mm -hmm. he stepped into that cell and he said, something is trying to possess me right now. No, sir. And I said, Ex excuse me? He's like, yes, something is trying to possess me. Should I let it? And Should I let it? Yeah. Oh, my God. So I literally, I, I walked out of the building. I kind of stuck my head and I was like, yeah, go right ahead. And he said... <laughs> It's got evil intentions, and so I'm not going to let no, it. And I was like, yeah, that... of course it does. Like, <sighs> if it's trying to possess. Yes. Yeah. So we've had a lot of strange phenomena, especially in that first cell to the left. We've had a lot of people have experiences there. Uh, one, one fella, actually, local news was out, and they were filming. And I think he was in that cell, and he's got, got a shaved head. And he said something touched the top of his head while he was in that cell. And he started looking around and he said there was nothing in there. And it, it was really freaked him out. And we have a couple stories from Big River Paranormal. Uh, let me read them to you here. 
Another investigator and I were going inside, and I thought I saw a guest standing in the corner to my left as I entered the building. I excused myself and stepped away. Another investigator was right behind me and did the same thing. When we looked, there was no one in the corner, even though the building had a group of guests inside. No one had seen anyone else in the corner. So, like, there was a figure standing there right to the left, right in that cell area. Here's another one. Another time I had a group of guests, and there was a pair of ladies who had a K2 meter and were attempting to make contact with no results. Remembering my other encounter, I told them to focus on that area of the room and the first cell on the left as you walk in. I started asking questions, and we received multiple answers to direct questions. So these K2 meters, basically it's a little light, mm. and if there's any sort of electronic phenomenon, it'll it'll pick up this light. And usually, especially in, at the old pen, there's very little electricity throughout the site, and there's zero electricity mm-hmm. in that corner where Siberia and the cooler is, so nothing should register over there. But when they were asking questions, it started to light up. And then after a few questions, we found out he has a thing for ladies in general, and he liked her friend more than her. So <laughs> it seemed to be kind of a creeper ghost in the cooler yeah. there. Yeah, yikes. Pretty common uh, situation. There, you though. should figure out who, you should see if you can figure out who was in that, like what he did. Do you think it's all the same spirit you know, that's the that evil wants to possess that guy that is has the thing for ladies do you think they're the same it I, most likely yeah probably uh that's the thing is though i've never come across any deaths in the cooler there there's one in siberia this individual hung himself from that little wiki door that's just about uh-huh, three feet uh-huh. off the floor but other than him i don't which it's a wild story. Yeah. But again, yeah. it could it could just be that thing of, uh, or who's to say that he died in the cooler? Who's to say he he didn't die elsewhere on the site? Exactly. And whatever whatever reason got stuck there or wanted to spend time there. Yeah. Or yeah, you know, gross. when you're in those cells, like your sense of reality, it gets completely obliterated. So maybe that was the last place where he was himself. And, mm. you know, where, you know, kind of his spirit left him before he committed suicide or did any number of things. I know Earl Bowen, as I, as I spoke about earlier, he just around the corner from there was in the prison hospital after spending a year and a half in uh, Siberia. And he probably would have been moved between Siberia and the cooler. And he was being given mm. like antipsychotics, Thorazine and things like that. After he had cut himself multiple times, and there are oral histories where you know they they had to stitch him up so many times because he kept cutting himself while he was locked in these solitary confinement cells, and he got released and put into the prison hospital. And while he was in there, he actually leapt from his bed and he took a bottle of pine oil and drank half of it mm. before the attendants yeah. caught him and stopped him from finishing it. Yes. They ended up pumping his stomach and because he was such a an an issue, they actually had to strap him to the bed. And so he had oh, this is the worst story. One of the worst deaths. He he actually started vomiting while in this bed, strapped to this bed, and he started to choke on his vomit. And he actually started wriggling the bed until it, it fell over and it landed on his leg. It broke his leg and he choked to death on his own vomit. And you know, maybe it it could be him. He was he was not a a good man. He 
brutally murdered this elderly woman in this boarding house that kind of put him up. You know, he went out kind of the way he came in, just just a issued individual, both mentally, physically. He was constantly getting into fights. He he stabbed another inmate to death. Yeah, so maybe, you know, now the more that I think about it, it maybe it is Earl that's still in there. He did spend like the oh, wow. longest amount of time in those solitary cells. So I just know that I'm not sleeping tonight. Oh, so. oh Scott. <laughs> oh, it that's <laughs> that whole like it has evil intentions. I'm just like, mm, nope, right. no, 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 thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh, boy. so I mean, we've gone through pretty much every building at the old pen that has had some sort of experience, uh, some sort of situation. Well, there's one experience that I had actually just around the corner from the cooler in Siberia. Um, And this is, this one is sort of like iffy where it's just like, "Mm, was it just my imagination? But it felt very real at the time. And it was when we were doing a, a sleepless in stripes event. It was the very last one that I did before. I think it was like the week before I left. And for listeners, that's a, a an overnight event. You get to spend the night at the old pen. Yeah, and um, and so we it was our second one, and we were still sort of refining the activities. And so this particular activity, it was a behind the scenes sort of tour and like a contraband finding sort of you know activity and. They could just, uh, you know, come in and, and we had opened one of the, the Siberia cells, which are normally not open um, other than those wiki doors and that very first one. But we had opened, uh, we had kind of, we had taken the, the door off the lock so you could close it all the way and sort of feel what that would feel like. And so I was stationed in there and Siberia was always, that first uh, few years that I was there was always one of those buildings that... I hated to be in. Yeah. I, I would walk in on this tour and just be like, I hate the feeling of this building. It just is so creepy and and it's such a it's such a unsympathetic building because you know these men were put in these cells for twenty four hours a day. It is completely dark even on the brightest day. It, it is just not a place you would want to be, um, and it's continually not a place that like any of us would want to be. So. Um, at this point, it's starting to get dark. Not a lot of people are making their way into the building because I was there to sort of uh, answer any questions anyone had. And um, and so it was kind of getting toward the end of, of when that time was over. And I was, I remember I was leaning against uh, the, the cell. So my back was to the cells facing uh, the door. And um, every once in a while from the road, um, which is, is pretty far away, but if you get a really loud car or whatever, it'll echo off the, the wall, but it didn't sound like that. It, it, um, you know, when your ears, uh, like when you've been at a really loud event and then for the first time you're somewhere quiet and you hear that, like the, the, the sound just sort of grows in your ringing ears, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that feeling. Uh-huh. So I was, I was leaning against the cells and it just sounded like a roar of voices coming from the cells that started quiet and then sort of got louder. And I remember I was maybe doing something I was not supposed to be doing, like texting. And I remember I was texting and I looked up from my phone and like looked around. That was how different of a sound it was. And I just, I that I just remember having that distinct feeling of like it just sounded like all these voices from behind me of all these men who'd be who'd been kept in these cells that were just sort of 
coming together all at once. And it was, it was just, it was weird. It was freaky. And I just remember thinking like, maybe it was sort of a, you know, a car that, that was really loud and it had, had, had echoed off the wall, but it was such a weird way that the sound had, had come and gone. Uh-huh. Um, that it, I just was like, I, I don't know if it, and I, but I tried to explain it away the best I could, but I was like, at that point, like looking at my watch, like, can I leave yet? Can I lock this stupid thing up and I want to go? But that was, it was, it was really strange. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember filming you, you like, as we were locking up, you came down to the dungeon and you're like, Anthony, I just had a weird experience down in Siberia. So I was like, okay, I've got my camera ready. Let's go. <laughs> and And we filmed you like telling that same story that, and you seem kind of like, a little bit freaked out. It's <laughs> like, whoa, yeah. It, I mean, it was like it, it's it's definitely a, an experience. Like when you're alone, like when I was with you, I was like, well, at least I'm with Anthony. Like nothing can happen. But when it's you, yeah. it's just you, and it, you have to sort of be like, is this just my brain, or it, is this something that actually happened? And and it it does sort of mess with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I probably will never forget either of those two experiences for like as long as I live. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are there any other stories in the yard that you can think of? Um, not in the yard that I can think of. There's the one out in the women's ward. Yes. That is probably my favorite. I it didn't happen to me, thankfully, but when I heard about it, it like blew my mind. <laughs> And so I would love to hear like Amber's actual take on it, but you know the 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 basics of it is, you know, Amber was out in the women's ward, and actually after this, after hearing that she did this, I always did my best. Like anytime I opened or anytime I closed, I would say like hello to the ladies. Oh, so I'd be like good morning, ladies, <laughs> or like good night, have a good night, ladies. Like just I'm I'm here, I'm doing your work. Like I'm here to be your friend. Like please don't bother me. But she was you know out lock in the women's ward and and when you go in every once in a while you'll have sort of stragglers who got kicked out of the pen early because we were locking up so they'll head out to the women's ward and but she made sure you know she said okay i'm locking up is anyone in here and she said no one answered and she said that she turned around to sort of you know walk out the building and she said there was just a puff of smoke in her face like someone had taken a drag off a cigarette and just blown it straight in her face and she said that she, or, you know, she looked around and again said, is there anyone in here? And there was no answer. There was no one in any of the rooms. And that, I'm just, I cannot even, like, I don't even know what I would do. Right. If I was her. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I my experience was enough that I was like, Anthony, let's record this. I kind of freaked out. But to have that, like, I mean, that's distinct. That is, that is wild. I would be so interested to know if it was a lady, you know, one of our ladies, uh, you know, we didn't have any women die. um, Or, you know, if it is one of the ladies, like, who is it and who decided to come back to that that place? Um, If it isn't um, one of our ladies, then who is it? You know, that's the real question. Um, But I I think it would make sense that it would be cigarette smoke. Uh, You know, they smoked freely out here. Uh, the entire history of the prison, um, both men and women. So uh, it completely makes sense to me that that would be what manifests uh, in the women's ward. But uh, I just want to know who it was. Definitely. I forgot to tell, I I had a story 
it wasn't long after Amber's actually. And oh, in the women's war? It was it was in four house, back in four house again. Oh. And I was locking up, it was five o'clock, and I took an Instagram of it right after, but uh I I always go through and I yell locking up into each cell house, make sure I'm not locking anybody in. And I heard somebody, it sounded like they were walking down the corridor at four house with their hands running along the bars. And so I was like, oh, maybe they didn't hear me because it sounded like they were just kind of puttering along. So I was like, locking up. And I kept hearing it. So I walked down to the end of the hall and around the backside of the tears. And there was nobody there. Mm-mm. My hair went up and I like left. Aww. And I was the only person still in the yard. And it was like, okay, that is, it was like they were teasing me. And right. oh, I, that, I, how I don't know. Ah, yeah. And I took an Instagram. I was like, okay, I just had the weirdest experience. I was just locking this cell house and I heard somebody walking down here. And yeah, that, I, cause I remember it happened yeah. like a, like two or three weeks after Amber's experience and just being like, oh no, are we all going to have, start having paranormal experiences from now on? And oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, so what do you think, Anthony? Is, is the old Idaho penitentiary haunted? Uh, yes, I think uh, I hate saying that because, you know, we look at it as historians, as this historical object and add people who all had very distinct stories. It's hard to uh, paranormal experiences. It, there are so many and we continue to get them. I have to say that if you believe in that sort of thing, you'll probably ex- have some sort of experience. Right. That is unexplainable. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely hard to want to say that it is because you want people to appreciate it for its historical value. Exactly. Um, that's always why I was like, oh, it just depends. I've never had an experience, even though I had. And it just is because, like, that's not what this site is here for. Right. This site is here to to let people know about Idaho history and about the history of the men and women who served there, yeah. um, and that's what we want to focus on. And so, but but the fact I think is is that it, I think it is a little bit, um, and that is the nature of a site like ours. So, I mean, I I would I guess I don't want to say haunted. I think maybe that people the spirits maybe still reside here is maybe a nicer way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, haunted makes it seem like it's this big spooky place, um, but. You know, if Ray's hanging out, he doesn't seem like he's hurting anyone. You know, Hippie Joe might still be hanging out. He doesn't seem to be hurting anyone. There might be some that are quite malevolent, but there also might be some that, that just don't know where else to go. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I think it is, too. I, I've definitely, I think we both have had personal experiences and... Um, you know, I think the paranormal investigations tend to get a, a bit of activity every time they come out. But I think, you know, we just have to strike that balance of appreciating the site for its historical value and, and you know, still understanding that there is a little bit of this paranormal stuff that everyone wants to hear about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what I always tell people is that, like, you know, if you believe in that sort of thing, there there have been a lot of experiences but I think that if you hear the factual stories, I think that is scarier. Like the reality of mm-hmm. some of the experiences for some of the men and women that were incarcerated here 
that is scarier than you know a a paranormal entity like come for the history uh, that that might scare you more than if you come to try to be uh touched or poked or scratched or prodded or mm-hmm. whatever it is yeah <laughs> mhm absolutely yeah i mean you heard earl bowen's story that oh. is probably one of the darkest stories that i've ever heard and i like religiously listen to murder podcasts like right yeah it's uh oh, it's rough so um come for the history Stay for the history, and if you get a little bit of extra, then good on you. Yeah, I like that. Happy Halloween, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween, everyone, and we can't wait uh, for you to hear our second season. We are quite excited about the stories that we tell, and bear with us through some technical difficulties at the halfway through the season or so as we uh, work our way through trying to figure out remote podcast setup, but... We're working on it. We hear your feedback, and we can't wait for you guys to hear what we've got coming for you. Yes, we appreciate all of you listeners, and uh, thanks for listening to our Halloween special here. Seriously, if you're listening to this and you've had an experience, let us know. I I really like collecting these stories. I like to give presentations on the paranormal aspects during our, our you know October events, frightened felons and, and dying to get in and things like that. So I would love to include your stories in our my next presentation and maybe next year's uh, Halloween special here at Behind Gray Walls. So thank you all and uh, continue listening. Our new season comes out. Do your own time. Do your own number. We'll talk to you all soon. Happy Halloween! Happy <laughs> <Smoothie> Halloween! <laughs> Please like and follow our Facebook page, Old Idaho Penitentiary. From there, you can connect with us directly by joining the Behind Gray Walls podcast group, where you can find the mugshots of the inmates featured in today's episode, supplementary images of the penitentiary, and discussions between group members. We'd love to see you there. <laughs>